Hello and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we discuss and review movies, TV shows, and all things pop culture. My name is Ivan, and I'm joined today by my co-host and Ocean Master of the Seven Seas, Emmett. That's right, you have to call me Ocean Master. I have all the crowns. I willingly will call you Ocean Master. <laughs> I don't need any alcohol in my system to go. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be honest with the fans. Uh, this one got away from us. Uh, this this podcast is brought to you by Tequila. Casamigos. Uh, any brand. I'm I'm drinking the Altos. I I think I drank something else. I just don't remember the brand off the top of my head. Too. <laughs> so we're hoping this one is uh, up to the same quality that you're expecting. But let's temp- tamper those uh, expectations. It's gonna be great. I can feel it. We're we're talking uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Season finale, season one, episode six today. But first, the news. What do you have in the news front, Ivan? Well, here's one that I just, um, I forgot to write down here, but Hillary Duff is making her return. I don't know if you heard this. I'm pretty sure you've heard this. Or actually, I don't know if you've heard this. Are you a How I Met Your Mother fan? I am. I don't know how you're going to tie these two topics together, though. I, w- I wouldn't know how to tie them up either <laughs> if it wasn't for this <laughs> piece of news. Uh, Hillary Duff has um, has been greenlit to star in the uh, spinoff of How I Met Your Mother how uh, I met called your How I Met Your Father. Yeah. Oh, wow. That was predictable. <laughs> I, was it? <laughs> That's going to flop. I'll you think it. so? I do. How I Met Your Mother was like fun in college when i was watching it but if i look back at it now i'm just like it's not for me anymore. yeah true I, I mean i don't know i'm willing to give it a shot because it's hillary duff you know like i I, I always like i've been waiting for her to make her grand return since lizzie dude she was supposed to do a lizzie reboot but uh disney they rebooted that like three times what do you mean like supposed to be <laughs> what do you mean they, they haven't rebooted lizzie they made like Fire. three different movies off that yeah, but that wasn't a reboot. That was like sequels, what, wasn't it? What constitutes a reboot then? Uh, geez, you know what? Now that you think about it, I don't think that was going to be <laughs> a reboot. Bringing it back to the fold <laughs> is a reboot. All right. Well, that's interesting. We'll watch How I Met Your Father, maybe. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm just mad that they didn't go with the Lizzie McGuire reboot or spinoff or whatever you want to call it. Because they did give uh, Raven Simone her, her her new show, too. So... What gives Disney? What's going on? Anyways, it's it's going to be premiering on Hulu uh, sometime in the fall of this year, um, assuming that everything kind of clicks and goes through. So, kind of excited to see it. Cool. And then in the more strange news, oh wait, no, why am I saying strange? In in, in the more um, <laughs> relatable news to to our podcast here. Um, I don't know if you saw this. I feel like this is something I probably would have texted you on, but I feel like this week just flew right past me. Um, Alfred Molina, who stars as uh, Dr. Octopus in Spider-Man 2, we knew he was coming back for Spider-Man No Way Home, and everybody was kind of speculating that he would play Dr. Octopus. But at an Oscar interview, he went ahead and just told everybody that that's exactly (laughs) who he's playing. Um, Uh I'm kind of sick of these headlines, if I can be honest. We know who's going to be in it. We've le- like it's been leaked for months and we know that it's a multiverse thing. Like that's the title of the Doctor Strange movie that's coming out before it. 
This is nothing <laughs> surprising. Can we stop taking up real estate on headlines about this? Well, I think that the, we haven't gotten anything confirmed. Oh my god! From a source, we've seen set photos. We've seen people there. <laughs> no, no, I know, but you, you get what I mean. Like Marvel themselves haven't come out and outright said Spider-Man is also going to be a, a multiverse really movie. That? You can't just connect the lines. No, no, no. But what I'm what I mean is like anybody who's like de- has denied it because I've seen pe- I've seen the conversations on Twitter where people are like, nah, people are just jumping to conclusions. So I'm like, bro, when you have a movie where Jamie Foxx is coming back who's been in the Spider-Man movie, when you have Alfred Molina coming back, who's been in the Spider-Man movie, when you have Willem Dafoe spotted on set, who's also been in the Spider-Man movie, you kind of have to connect the dots, as you said. Like, it's... Yeah, I don't think this is news, but it's just funny because Marvel's so secretive and hush-hush that (laughs) this guy just nonchalantly uh, told um, the Hollywood Reporter, like, oh, yeah, I am playing that character. And it is the same character from Spider-Man 2. So, it, it... it's it's kind of bizarre to me that like he's just so nonchalantly reveals it officially. Yeah, I think it's more important to talk about how that makes us feel. I don't know if I care about a Spidey verse. I kind of just want to see Tom Holland take on the Daily Bugle. Uh, at, Alex at Jones. The, yeah, the, the Alex Jones character at the end of Far From Home. Yeah. I don't need to see him team up with Toby and Andrew Garfield versus five other threats. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I necessarily want that either, but I feel like Marvel's been at the point where, you know, whatever they like I don't I feel like I haven't needed the last two storylines of the movies either. Like <laughs> you you got what I mean? Like I've enjoyed them. Um, what, are the, what are the last two? It's Endgame and Infinity War. You didn't need those. Okay. No, no, no. What I mean is like the Spider-Man <laughs> movies. Like oh. I, I don't. I didn't think I wanted to see Mysterio or the Vulture. To me, they were two uninteresting characters from the comic. No. Oh no, no, no. Mysterio is the best villain that Marvels had. In the movies, sure, but in the comics, I mean, like he wasn't a very interesting character to me. All right. Well, I don't read comics. <laughs> <laughs> I don't read. Period. <laughs> The multiverse, though, like I, I'm, I'm we did right that there with it's you. In cartoon for, for yeah, him. yeah, and I gotta think that they're just like they saw the success of the animated uh, movie, and so they're like, oh, let's try it in live action. Let's and try well, it I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see it, man, but I'm also not like it's not that I'm asking for it. It's just like more of a like, oh, that'd be cool to see, but it's not something that I'm like, oh, I'm dying to see it kind of thing. Yeah, I'm asking for a third Tom Holland Spider Man. I'm not asking for this third Tom Holland Spider-Man, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. You, you don't want it to be bogged down. Is basically what where you're getting at, right? Like it's you, gonna it's gonna be crowded. It's gonna be Avengers Endgame or Infinity War, where I don't know which plot line to care about. And by the time where they start introducing important threads, it's gonna cut scene to the next person. I would agree, but I don't think I've had any Marvel movie up to this point that has felt like it's been too crowded, even though like it definitely conceptually was. So I don't know. I'm, I want to, I'm going to play the wait and see game on this. Like I'm not, I'm not super excited for it. Still seven months away or something like that. I I will say though, that I I am excited to see Alfred Molina back as Dr. Octopus in whatever capacity. That was your favorite movie for some reason. 
I love that movie, man. So I <laughs> I absolutely love it. Kind of like a really weird geeky moment here, but um, you ever have those like memories from childhood where you're like, for whatever reason, you associate one thing to a certain time in your life. For me, it was the Spider-Man 2 Lunchables commercial. For some reason, that like marks <laughs> my middle school days. And uh, a couple years ago when Spider-Man Homecoming came out, I actually got a chance to edit a Lunchables commercial for Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, <laughs> okay. So that's, for whatever reason, I always associate that with like my childhood. So Spider-Man 2 for me has been iconic. Um, yeah, for me, it was uh, the 1997 movie Warriors of Virtue. Uh, that was my childhood. Are those is that the one with the knights? Uh, the elemental? The, yeah, it's the karate kangaroos. I got to look at this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I know our fan base, and they're going to agree with me out there that Warriors of Virtue was their childhood as well. It's a classic <laughs> movie. You know, I'll I'll add it to my list. <laughs> it's got a solid 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. It sounds like a great watch. <laughs> hey, I don't knock your childhood. You don't knock mine. I'm not. I'm. I'm. You know, <laughs> it's the Casamigos talking, maybe, but I'm. I I'll give it a watch tonight. Yeah. Well, I probably would give it some time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, other news, Mortal Kombat dropped today. Shadow and Bone, the Netflix series that we were talking about a couple weeks ago, dropped today. This is a big one. Uh, I'm looking for a replacement show now that Falcon Winter Soldier is over. Oof, I did see the preview of Shadow and Bone, and I do I, I do want to watch it. Like, I, yeah. It seems interesting. Yeah, it does. Definitely um, worth a, a couple episodes to Get into it and see if it's cool. I have a little bit of a commute for things this weekend, but I have loaded. uh, I am going to load up episodes tonight, so I have something to watch on the train while I avoid everybody like the plague because COVID. Uh, (laughs) uh, But Mortal Kombat is out. I it's been out for like a week on in theaters in other countries, but Mm -hmm. it was just released here in the U.S. this week, and then today on on hbo max so i haven't watched it yet obviously but same i i am hearing a lot of reports of it's been well received overseas and it's actually up there with uh godzilla versus kong in terms of like the level of uh money it's set to make so Mm. surprising but also not unwelcome you know like i yeah i'll probably i'll probably watch this i i was a little hesitant at first but i'll it's supposed to be raining on sunday i'll I'll probably throw this on or something like that. Yeah. And I think they were saying that it's going to be the, this might be the first well-received video game adaptations in Sonic. So something, something of an achievement there, which speaking of Sonic. Yeah. Speaking of Sonic, did you see Knuckles was seen on set (laughs) of Sonic 2? I saw Knuckles trending on Twitter. And so I opened up what that was. And then I realized like, oh, they meant, I thought that like the CGI model was released online or something. No, they put a physical like, mannequin looking <laughs> knuckles on set but like i didn't even know they were making a sonic 2 i didn't know the first one warranted like oh let's keep this franchise going yeah no it was it was a great success financially so did you I, watch sonic i did not yeah me neither we can't it's, give a review on it. <laughs> no but i you know now that i'm thinking of on it though like because i know it was well received sonic was one of those things that i never really got into as a kid but Oh, I, man, I I'll give it a shot over Sonic. Yeah. Collecting rings was my day job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh my god. I gotta I gotta check it out. Sonic was a fun game. I feel like the movie I was weirded out on the first trailer and I never gave it a chance after that. And I know they fixed it. Yeah. Everybody says it was actually really good and enjoyable, so So I must be wrong. Okay, I get it. And then uh Sony and Marvel have reached a multi year deal that will bring Spider Man prop the Spider Man property did over Spider Man. I know. I probably should have tied it to that. But what was I thinking here? Spreading it out. <laughs> um, but no, I, the the reason why I put this on here is like there's um, there's a pretty big uh, story to this because not only is Spider-Man cr- going into Disney Plus, this confused me because earlier in the week there was an announcement that Sony was going to stream everything from 2023 and on on Netflix first. But it sounds like after they after these movies have streamed on Netflix, they will go straight to Disney Plus. And this is, it is not just Spider Man; it's also Hotel Transylvania and oh, a couple wow. of other animated movies from Sony. So it's a pretty big deal. <laughs> Hotel those... Transylvania was in your <laughs> in your bragging list. No, <laughs> I mean yes, <laughs> but the re- no the reason why I say it is because like it's interesting to see one studio Sony. Um, go the route of collaborating with Disney instead of like going the Paramount route and doing their own streaming service. I just think Sony knows that it will cost them too much to make such a short play. Like that's what Paramount's yeah. doing. They don't care that it costs them a lot. They're making a short play to show that they're valuable. And I get it, and I can respect it. But it's at the end of the day, it's somebody's gonna fold to somebody. And Netflix and HBO are still going to be left standing. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. There's some doubt on HBO, apparently. So I don't think so. I think Warner Brothers has kept them afloat for the rest of the year. Well, the reason why I say that is apparently they, um, when they're reporting the HBO Max numbers, they're blending in the regular HBO subscriber numbers with them. I don't care if there's a little company fraud. I expect every company <laughs> in America to be committing fraud. <laughs> Though, to be honest with you, at this point, like, should they really be keeping HBO and HBO Max numbers separate? I thought it was the same freaking thing. I don't know what the difference is because ours got converted to it automatically. Yeah, I don't know. They do need to fix the user interface on HBO Max, so it's not the most user. You don't friendly. like it? No. It's the same exact thing as HBO. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I hate it. I always hate it. <laughs> Truth is coming out. All right. And then the last bit of news. Um,. The reaction to Shang, to Shang Chi over in China has Shang? been yeah apparently that's how you I pronounce was it. Shang. Yeah, I thought it was Shang too, but apparently the proper pronunciation is Shang Shang Chi. So okay. there you go. <laughs> um, hey, learn something. Mainland China is not being very kind to uh, Simu Lu or any of the visuals that on. Is it because uh, he's Hawaiian? Uh, potentially. <laughs> I don't think a lot of folks know this, but like, I feel like. Sometimes I guess um, you know whether when you're making an American movie based off another culture, they often tend to think it's like you know talking down to them in a way, mm. and that seems to be the vibe that they're getting. Uh, I know Mulan had the I same have reaction. Felt that way though, like looking at like our stupid movies, like a Transformers <laughs> or yeah. like a Pacific Rim, it seems like we're pandering to like an Asian market. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. There, there's money to be made there. That's why they're they're doing it. It's just that I feel like. But I feel like that's kind of old way of thinking. Is just like oh, it CGI, is. like throw more CGI and and the the foreign markets will buy it up. Yeah, I think the the other thing too is like um, 
the Chinese audience in particular, you know, taking the taking them out of like the I guess the the pool of the of the full Asian audience, right? Like I think the Chinese audience in particular is very critical about the way that they are depicted in in cinema. It's Which is fair because it's like like you said in our uh, trailer review, like this was a very uh, <laughs> racial yeah. racial comic book. You have to have some like class and sensitivity when you recreate it to be That's true. live action. And I don't want to say that it's the wrong casting because I am not qualified to speak on the subject. But is if somebody's offended that they've they've casted a Hawaiian person in place of an Asian person, is that different than what um, Hollywood has always done? No, he he's Chinese. He's of Chinese descent. It's just is that he? I saw one headline that said Hawaiian. He was born Hawaiian in Hawaii. Basically. But he wasn't. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, but he no. I, I, the reason why they take offense is because they're you know they're very much um, in terms of the the Chinese political system conservative approach to it. Like they have a very conservative mindset, and so okay to them it's like well you should have hired a mainland Chinese actor instead of a Chinese actor from another country. It's fair. It's a very very fair point, and it should be heard too. Um, yeah, it's just I feel like there's a lot of like sensitivity around it at the moment because I don't know if you saw this whole thing with the the Mulan um, yeah. cast, but the actress had spoken in support of mainland China when the protests in Hong Kong were happening, and it became this really big thing because oh, obviously over in China she got support, but everywhere else it's like no, you're oppressing people. Um, so it, it's it's a it's a sore subject, but it's interesting because obviously, like you mentioned. Hollywood l- looks at China and they're like, "Oh, money bags," you know. Yeah. Um, but it's not that simple. You know, you you can't satisfy everybody, and it's you're always going to be like tiptoeing this line. I think when whenever you try to diversify, I guess your your films. Yeah, I think it just comes down to you can't like sacrifice respect for dollars, and that's right. not what Hollywood's about. And yeah, it's sad that especially through all of these recent years of uh, like wokeness and getting and like seeing everything it's kind of sad that like they can't I don't know I'm guessing there weren't that many uh, Chinese or Asian people in the studio collaborating with the ideas of casting they were for this one and I, I think that you know like I said I think part of the reason why there's a negative reaction in China is because they're very much of the opinion of like if you're going to hire a Chinese actor come hire a Chinese actor from mainland China. Don't get somebody from a different country. It's it's a fair assessment. Um, because like if you look at they the reaction over in China has been very positive to uh, Tony Young who's playing the the Mandarin. And that's their criticism is they think he's he's a lot more charismatic than the actor playing Shang-Chi. So well it's also yeah, it's like casting someone from mainland China in a villain role versus the hero role. Yeah. Just true. That is true. But it's definitely something to watch out for and see how that develops. Uh, I don't know if it really takes away from our critique of the movie. It, it still has our anticipation, but uh, definitely something to respect their opinions and and thoughts on. Yeah, it's always interesting to kind of see what the other side of the world thinks of um, American media, you know? <laughs> so. and, and how Marvel will respond, too. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, let's get into the meat and bones of this episode. Yes. 
before we do, let's do a spoiler-free take per usual. Uh, let's try and keep the spoiler-free to just this episode uh, and kind of save thoughts on the entire series until the end. Is that cool? So no Mephisto talk until the end. Gotcha. Dude, what the heck? Okay, well, <laughs> sorry, spoiler fans. Oops. <laughs> no, there was no Mephisto this time. We're waiting for Loki for that. He'll come. You'll just watch. He'll be here. Along with the X-Men and Fantastic Four. They'll, they're coming. Just just you watch. Just let, you me wait. Hear your, let me hear your thoughts on this episode, though. Yeah. Um, I thought this was a very nice finale. A finale that has kind of catapulted the series to new heights. Something that WandaVision almost got to but didn't quite hit. And by that, I mean, like, it's been topping the streaming charts. Like, this this whole show, the last two weeks, has been, has taken the number one spot on, on in terms of, like, the top uh, content streamed uh, per week. So it that kind of shows you the impact that it's had. And I think especially the, these last two episodes, uh, Marvel has definitely released a show here that's not just, like, timely to the social issues of today, but I feel like it's handled the themes so well. Um, so much so that I'm not seeing much of a negative reaction to it on social media, which is very, very rare these days. I feel like try as you might, you're always going to offend somebody. And it seems like they kind of hit the sweet spot uh, with the show. Yeah, I think this is, though, the first week in a, in a few weeks where I'm not going to say that this was my favorite episode. And that's not to take anything away from this episode specifically. <gasps> but I still like I feel like week four or week five is when this when was the show at its best um but like you said yeah it's a very satisfying finale i i don't know i had some issues with this episode though in general where it just felt really rushed in some points and some points didn't feel like they were earned uh i don't want to get into specifics because then i'll start spoiling things but it just feels like if this is a finale Certain things have been built up throughout the entire season. I want to see a different conclusion on them. And I don't know. Maybe I am I need more time to like rewatch it or, or think about it. But now I'm starting to think maybe WandaVision was on top of this episode, on top of this show, this series. Uh, and that'll probably, I'll elaborate a little bit more when we can do spoilers in the end of, the, uh, of this pod. I think I know what the issue was. Yeah, and I'm not at all saying that like this was a bad episode. Uh, it's a very satisfying finale in terms of like tying up people's plot lines. But there was uh, no Turkish delight. I think that's that's there was where you're no Turkish at. delight. Exactly. Yeah, I feel you. I, I I get what you're saying. At the end of the episode, I also missed the Turkish delight. Irresistible. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's enough for spoiler free, but I kind of just want to get to the scenes. Yeah, let's get to the Turkish delight here. So if you haven't seen the episode and you still plan to and you don't want to have it ruined for you, throw us on pause, come back to us. If you don't come back to us, rate us five on the podcast app anyway. And buy some Casamigos tequila. Uh, or kick it that money over to us. We do not have that partnership yet. Or Casamigos tequila. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do characters and scenes. All right, so this this episode starts out uh, focusing mostly on Carly and her execution of her GRC takeover plan. So she, her ultimate plan is to force the senators to exit the building and into a trap where she'll use them as hostage negotiations. We see a little bit later on in the episode that she is, alters the plan to be 
prepare for the worst, which she will, the worst case scenario is that she has to kill the senators. Uh, but throughout this fight, we get to see Falcon return pretty much immediately in the Captain America outfit with the shield and vibranium wings. That reveal was pretty, pretty well handled. Was that everything you wanted? It is. So I, I have some thoughts on the suit, but it's a little too white. <laughs> it is a little too white. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I feel like it's ripped straight from the comics. Yes. And that's in yes. that sense, I respect it. But I also feel like, you know, and you and I had a text conversation offline about it. But yeah, if in a well-lit scene, that white is way too off-putting. Um, and I feel like it's it's the suit is perfect for nighttime shots. I think it works really well, but especially the the scenes where you kind of have a little bit of a spotlight on on Sam, you kind of start to see like, okay, well, maybe a little bit more blue could have done it some more justice. But um, I, the in terms of like the movement and all that, I, I thought it fit pretty well with the the action sequences. Oh man, he was great in his fights with. Uh, Batroc with the helicopter and this does do a lot of comic justice from the limited knowledge I have but from the covers I've seen it has like the same way that the wings angle up the way he takes off and the exact color coordination of his outfit it looks exactly like the comic so I think it's a great uh, paying homage to where the character comes from I don't know if it hits right on screen. I probably need more time with it, but I do like seeing Sam come back as the Captain America. And when somebody first presses him, like, who are you? He, without hesitation, says, I'm Captain America. And, like, ignores the stupid comment about the moon or whatever. But he is fully prepared to own that title, whether people love him for it or hate him for it. No, there was a nice little touch where they changed the title card from the Falcon and the Winter Soldier over to Captain yes. America and the yep. Winter Soldier. Yeah, I love that. Um, they're all behind, like Marvel obviously is behind it, but uh, I, I love to see like people get on board with it. And we saw this, I'll skip ahead a little bit, but we saw like a fight in front of civilians who were like, oh, that's Black Falcon. And it's like, no, that's Captain America. Like people are willing to get behind it. And I, I loved seeing that. Yeah, he's probably hitting number one on Twitter right there, right on the streams. <laughs> uh, this fight, though, it, it felt... Did it feel a little fast for you? Like, it evolved pretty quickly? This fight felt like it was, like, 65% of the episode. Um, so, it, yeah. It did feel like it took up a lot of time, but it also weirdly felt like it progressed so fast. Like, he was fighting with Batroc for a while... And nothing happened to Bucky that entire time, or Sharon. Yeah, I, I do. I do feel like they've maybe focused on on a few points a little too much, and then like negated others. Um, it, to to me though, like I feel like it was it was really it was nicely paced when you compare it to the whole series. And this could just be me talking because I binged the show last uh, last night, well, not last night, but like I guess yesterday afternoon into into night. Um, I watched all the episodes just to kind of get myself prepped uh, for the finale. Wait, you rewatched everything? Yeah, I rewatched everything. Okay. Playing it in the background as I was working, obviously, but but still. Mm, okay. 
Yeah. And that last episode on the treadmill, although that one was kind of hard because, like, obviously my eyes were <laughs> bouncing up and down, and so <laughs> hard to focus. But, Fair enough. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I to me, it, it had a good flow when you connected to the series, but I feel like you're right. If you treat this as an individual standalone episode, it's it's a little too fast that it moves along for my taste, especially when you come off of last week's episode where everything was kind of chill and a little bit more slow-paced. Yeah, I I don't know, because I feel like Carly's arc happened so fast, and I also feel like John Walker's happened very fast as well. Like, I feel like because we got uh, all of episode five to basically be uh, Sam's episode, if we'll call it that, where he got to accept the title of Captain America, and he, we saw him train with it. We didn't see Carly progress at all as a character, and we didn't see John Walker, other than one conversation, progress. So that's, I think, the issue I had with this episode, is that John Walker returns with his papier-mâché shield, and he, <laughs> he turns into a good guy when given the choice between saving all the senators who are about to fall over the cliff or taking down Carly. And I'm I enjoyed seeing him become a good guy, but I want to know what pushed him to that. Yeah, that that progression was a little bit of a quick 180, mm-hmm. um, especially when, you know, and mind you, like this might. Uh, how do I put this? Um, at the end, the end credit scene from last from the last episode, he was giving me like mass shooter vibes. Yeah, he's prepared for a fight. Yeah, but, like, he's giving me that, like, I'm going to kill everybody kind of thing. And then in this episode, he, like, knocks a couple people out, but doesn't murder anybody. And then, like, out of nowhere, he's like, all right, I'll spare Carly to save these senators that I blatantly don't like at the end of last episode. Here's Um, the thing I could argue. Yeah. I'm sorry if I'm cutting you off here. No, go ahead. The back of the shield had his medals of honor that he uh, knew... Like were were times that he rather would forget because he didn't actually feel like a hero. And hearkening back to that conversation with Lamar in whatever that was, the co- like the coffee shop or the mall or wherever it was, how many people they could have saved if they had the serum. I think when like they do a good shot of him staring at that metal on the back of his shield, where he's like, How many people could I save if I take the serum? I could fight Carly here or I could go save this. Uh, truck full of senators that's a good catch yeah i I almost forgot about that line but that's kind of like you have to sit with it for a little bit that's not like the initial response to watching the episode that's it is true and and i think it kind of has like game of thrones last season syndrome here where like yes yes certain things that you know it's gonna come to that anyway but like it would have been nice to sit on it for a little bit and just kind of get more uh, I guess more of a build to it, but I, I, I get what you mean, though. Yeah, we were texting about it at, right after the episode where it was like, I feel like some plot points got cut out from John Walker because he progressed super fast and just showed up out of the blue to save the day. And I would have liked a little bit more from him. And I don't know if it's too much to ask for an extra 10, 15 minutes on the episode, but you're already making it the longest episode of the season. Why not just tack on or crazy thought make another episode after this season two maybe do you want a season two of this i want a season two of sam 
as Captain America. Whether that's something, you know, and what I mean by that is like a continuation, obviously. Like, I, I, I don't know. I'm torn on whether I want a season two or just give him a Captain America four solo movie. That's what I want. I'd yeah. rather see a movie where he's, it's his name on the, on the marquee, but he's le- like learning how to lead a team. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because you always associate the role of Cap as the leader of the Avengers, right? It's either him or Iron Man. Mm-hmm. There is no Iron Man anymore unless somebody's going to take up that mantle. John which, <laughs> well, we we are getting that Ironheart spinoff series uh, on Disney Plus, so uh, I guess we are getting a re- replacement Iron Man. Mm. But yeah, I don't think. That's why I'm so confused if this is the best so far of the Marvel series. And I know we're jumping ahead here a bit, but WandaVision just felt like an emotional roller coaster. It's this last episode that just doesn't make me feel like everything, even though everything was tied up with a bow and nice and neat, it just felt so fast at the end. That's so strange because I, I feel like I got a lot of enjoyment out of this last episode. I don't know if I would say that this is better or worse than WandaVision. I think as a They're whole. They're so different. They are so different. And yeah. I feel like I, I've enjoyed them both equally to the, same, to the same kind of degree, but for different reasons. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I felt like this series was very predictable. And the reason why I felt like I really, really enjoyed WandaVision is because I literally had no idea <laughs> where we were going with it. Whereas I feel like there was only one path that you could take Sam Wilson. And then that's obviously he's yeah. going to become Captain America. But you could have um, taken the John Walker path differently. And they fought, but they fought for five minutes on last episode out of a 50 minute episode. Yeah. And I. Obviously, they're not done with the character. I feel like, but no. I think I think the mistake that they did with the series though is like paint John Walker out to be like almost, almost close to the main antagonist in some in some areas, and then you kind of just drop him as like, oh no, it's like he's not really. A you bad know what guy. it is? It's Spider-Man three for Tobey Maguire, where James Franco is the villain and then just shows up as the good guy, and you're supposed to ex- just be like, all right, I'm cool with it. <laughs> Dude, that's that's true. And we even got the the scary butler also. Yes. <laughs> this is Spider-Man 3, isn't it? I it, I think it is. <laughs> Which is the hint of Winter Soldier. I don't know if you saw that, but Sharon, real quick to just kind of talk about her real quick. Um that same face uh face conceal tech that uh Black Widow used yes. in Winter Soldier. I was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot that that, that exists." Little, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's hardly ever used. It's it's almost like if Mission Impossible was more modern. Yeah, it's that you know, face concealing. I'm not gonna lie. There's part of me that really, really wanted Sharon to not be the power broker, and she's revealed to be like a scroll at the end of this or something. Yeah, I don't know about scroll, but it did feel kind of lazy. So let's let this is a good segue because this kind of next chronologically in the episode. So Sharon is revealed as the power broker when she makes a when she kind of corners Carly in the downstairs area and she's kind of making a plea for her to come back to Madripoor and Carly's like, you just want your muscle back or to experiment on me. It's not happening. Yeah, I kind of felt like it. we knew it was coming, but it just felt kind of lazy. It was lazy, I think, in the sense that from a narrative standpoint you really it was really predictable 
you know and like yeah. i think the reason why you and me and other folks were resisting the idea is because like we even though it was just a few minutes of screen time across these other movies you've built her up to be this like very like good centric very moralistic character mm-hmm. um and so to kind of see a 180 without showing us what happened to her during those years and just telling us like oh she lived a messed up life these last couple of years I don't think that was enough for for me to really buy into the fact that she was. Yeah, this is that uh, unearned part that I was kind of expressing earlier. It just feels like we saw it coming, but if she's really the power broker and she really has this many resources at her disposal, why did she show up to this fight alone? Shouldn't she like surround Carly with like 20 guys that Sam has to figure out how to fight? Like it just feels like it. I don't know you walked in the touchdown and the defense was really giving up. (laughs) I feel like they were trying to make that reveal at the end where she gets her pardon and now she has access to like government secrets and all this stuff. That might have been the setup, yeah. She was was her main motivation this whole time. It was never about getting that serum back. She was just using her as a means to an end. That's what's weird though, is like you've really expressed the serum is and all be all so important. Like you had phone calls with Sam where it's like, don't lose track of Carly. I need her back. Like power broker needs your back. Like how is that not the motivation anymore? I think it's because she saw the, the winds changing a bit, you know, like it, it seems like this is what exactly what the type of person she is then, because she'll adapt to the situation. Whereas I feel like initially she definitely did want Carly when she saw that it was probably in their best interest to maybe help bring her down she just switched sides to that i don't think she i think she would have won no matter who won in this situation i'm also pretty surprised that like zemo didn't see this coming and like warn falcon or bucky yeah she outplayed them all for whatever reason but like zemo is such like a mastermind criminal that like he could have just been like careful of your friend like uh, a throwaway line that would have like Bucky would have ignored because it's the words of a madman, but like give credit to Zemo in some sense, right? Well, he did mention earlier on in an earlier episode that um, the power broker was a man, right? He re- refers to him as he. So I think the power broker that he knew, obviously that was that was before he got locked up. So whoever the power broker used, yeah, he he says he. I trust you though because you said you just rewatched but so i would need to rewatch to confirm but i do remember bucky saying i only know him by reputation and i do believe he said him by reputation yep. so it is the assumption that power broker is a man yep so she must have murdered the original power broker and has now been a power broker in the shadows but then what about the like the 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 batrock plot line where she called him last episode to be like here's a mission for you and we assumed that it was going to be like bring carly to me type of thing like get her trust and then betray her yeah but it, it was legit like just go fight falcon what does she have against falcon nothing she was just like like i said i feel like whoever whoever was going to win this fight she was going to gain something off of them anyway if if carly so. were to be if if carly were to beat sam uh but Troc was always good, just going to double cross carly and give her over to the to the power broker. 
And, and then if Sam won, Carla. Well, she gets her hers. pardon. Yeah. So either way, she played both sides in this in this scenario. I guess that seems like it hurts my brain to think about. So yeah, I it, think that Marvel's that smart. <laughs> I, I think that's what they were going for, but I, I just think there was probably a better way to kind of illustrate that for us, you know. And what about Badrock dying? It just feels like, it, not that they've ever built him up as a big villain, but like every time they have him fight, it's clear that they're rooting for him to make it a good fight, and then he just gets shot. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it just seems so anticlimactic for his character to die in. Yeah, but, I mean, there wasn't ever really much stock built into the character anyway, right? Because, like, he he was always... To me, he's kind of like Shocker from Spider-Man's Rogues Gallery. Like, he'll show up, but he's, like, a secondary or even, like, a C-lister character. Yeah, no, without a doubt, he's a C-list or worse. But he's the only guy that Steve has ever respectfully fought where he takes off his helmet helmet and removes his shield to fight him straight up like this guy clearly means something in the mcu whether he means it or not in the comic book universe that's a different argument but we're talking what's seen on the movies and shows yeah yeah i i get what you mean he kind of deserved a little bit of a better (laughs) send-off than just getting shot in the stomach for being like oh i don't do well with blackmail bang you're dead (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's what he gets for trying to double cross the double Silly cross French <laughs> <laughs> they made a few like French slur jokes at him yeah a couple baguettes <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess this ultimately leads I'm, we're progressing through the episode pretty fast so let me know if there's bits that you want to hark uh, talk about more but Sam's address to the GRC senators is kind of next yeah, what'd you think of that speech? I was like a little emotional during it, and I was like, "Wait, what are you doing? You're getting like feels for a Marvel show here." <laughs> yeah, I I legitimately cried. It was very touching. Uh, part of it also felt kind of like forced and cringy, but for the most part, I was like, "I'm kind of basically uh, Isaiah's character." We're like, "Oh, I almost bought into that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> but Sam does do. A, justice to the like uh optimistic character trait that the that captain america has to have like he does good to that part where he's like you can see it from other point of views you can understand your enemy and realize that there's validity to their points whether you agree or not with how they're executing their plan the captain america needs to have some like sense of optimism Mm mm-hmm and it's more so for like the benefit of others, more so than it is the benefit of himself. And Sam definitely represents that. The senator is right in the sense that it's a complicated matter and nobody truly understands it. But then he also acknowledges the fact that the people making these decisions should also give a seat at the table the people who are going to be affected by those decisions and it's such a timely thing to really think about right like in this day and age when we're seeing headlines of like police brutality when we're um you know seeing a whole bunch a whole wave of like injustice i guess uh, up at the top of the headlines as we especially as we delve through like the stage of a pandemic it kind of hits home i feel like the speech was um meant to be that right while maybe a bit cheesy to some people it had a good impact and i've seen enough 
of a reaction on Twitter, which is normally like, you know, a pit of despair. <laughs> um, where people are having like a really cool um reaction to it. So I, I thought it was good. It was nicely delivered. And it just kind of further solidifies the fact that uh, you know, he this this is the new age Captain America. Yeah, there's two things you said there that really resonated with what I'm thinking about when I watched this episode. It was that the senator uses it's complicated as a talking point, but Falcon shows him why it's complicated, and it's for reasons that the senator never considered. It's thinking about the point of view of people that you deem the problem and not part of like the equation to fix, right? Right. And then um, when Falcon said, like, or Captain America said that uh, we finally have an issue that unifies the entire world. You need to like take this more seriously. It's exactly what we're going through right now with the pandemic, where it's like it doesn't matter your like age, race, religion, polit like whatever politics you align with. You're experiencing COVID in a certain way, and the policies that get decided for you impact you the same way that it would impact your neighbor, whether they are exactly the same as you or different. And he even says like, you have more power than a God or like he didn't say it, but like any superhero that is in the Avengers or whatever, you have more power because you get to decide how the world is shaped. And I doubt that any actual senators are watching or congressmen or whatever, like anyone in government is watching, but it would be great if they heard that because that's exactly how, like the uh, at least the American people feel. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it it definitely resonates with with today, and it's kind of it's almost kind of scary when you think about it that this show was starting to shoot right before COVID. Obviously, it it finished during the pandemic, right? But like, who would have thought we would have been in this situation? Who would have thought it would be? Uh, not just timely, but in, in in a really weird sense, we'd see the reverberations of things that are actually going on in the real world today. Similar to like the topics of displacement and all that, you got like a whole bunch of immigration issues here in this country. You got economic issues that are going on. Who knows how many people are still unemployed because of this mess, you know? So it's kind of like, yeah, you're right. Like it, you should be giving attention to, to the people that you're about to, whose lives you're about to impact. So it it just it's another one of those moments though where I had a like my appreciation for 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 Marvel kind of grew with this series. Yeah. Um. Regardless of you know the quality of it is going to be the best one. Who knows? We still have like three more to go right this year. But yeah, I, I appreciate it just for that. And it, it's it it, de- it definitely resonated a lot with me. Um. And I'm glad to kind of see that Marvel was willing to talk about these things too. Yeah. I loved everything that sam said in that speech uh addressing like that's how conversation should be had uh, when it comes to like race relationships and it should be said like i understand what it's like to carry like what a burden is i'm carrying the stars and stripes and i'm a black man and it's like half the population is going to love me for it and half is going to hate me for it and i'm going to do it no matter what because it's right uh it was really powerful for a marvel tv show (laughs) It was. When we're looking at like comparison of Marvel, it's like this is the same company and franchise that brought us like 
Thor 2. <laughs> like, Dark World. <laughs> like, it's crazy how much it's evolved. This is the same company that gave us Howard the Duck back in 1978. <laughs> so, once you go duck, you're out of yeah. luck. <laughs> God, we should review that movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, I honestly, man, like I feel like to maybe get into like the the closing moments of the episode. Yeah. This has uh this episode I think for me culminated in a predictable way but i think in the satisfying way yes i think i'm with you on like i don't think this is my favorite episode i think last week's episode is still um maybe at number one spot for me it's tough because like last week was great for just like conversations and character development but the week before that was great for like action so it's it's become difficult to rank these but i'm exactly where you are yeah but how about that loyal butler oh my god (laughs) yeah let's talk about closures because the one thing i will give this episode credit for uh if not for the sam speech is for the closure of all the lines or all the characters uh so zemo's and the butler being one of the major ones at the end so zemo's butler blows up the rest of the, the the remaining super soldiers on transit to the raft prison where we see zemo continuing to re-re-read his <laughs> Machiavellian copy. Uh, and he smiles, which he has a pretty decked-out cell in the prison raft. <laughs> he does. Uh, but yeah, a very loyal butler committing a quadruple homicide. <laughs> With nobody there to witness what actually happened. <laughs> no traces. Did what? you like that, that line, like that uh, story arc for them? I did. They all deserve death. Um, oh, for I don't think they all deserve death. I know, yes. I don't think they all deserve death. I do like the fact that we brought um, the butler back just to kind of close out Simo's story. And that also kind of shows you that he always meant to finish the job, you know, like regardless of what happened. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think they deserve death. I, I feel like yeah. a lot of them really were against Carly's. Uh, ideas in some way because you saw the hesitancy in them i don't know it's the same thing as saying like <laughs> the nuremberg trials like are you good? <laughs> not to like say that this is anywhere near yeah. the holocaust but just like because your leader saying that it's okay to do right does it mean that you are just acting out their wishes like the, i thought the one girl would at least in that speech where she's like one world one people I thought she would at least be like, no, we're not serving the one people anymore. Like, <laughs> uh, that's the only part that I didn't really like. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they deserve death for it. I do think, though, that, you know, ultimately, because it's kind of like a, a further um, reiteration that you follow down this path, that there's only really one way you get out of it. And that I guess that's the unfortunate part of it, right? Because whether you're talking about having well intent you know, well meaning intentions or or delving, I guess, into something that um you're you you're just trying to better the world. It's how you go about it that's ultimately gonna decide how you end up. But it's just like it didn't snowball effect that much where they could have said no to Carly. Like they could have just kept her in check and been like, this is not what we set out to do. We did not like, we all agreed that we were going to kidnap these senators as hostage to make our point go across. But 
but we were never going to kill these people. And Carly's just like, no, we're straight up killing them. Like, that's the plan. <laughs> I think they might have. It's kind of it, it rings true of the same message that Zemo um, had about supremacy just yeah. a few episodes back where like you hold these people to like a high pedestal and you start to not see their flaws. And I think they were doing that with Carly where they like, admired her for the person she was. The that they, started they gave to... each other was like, she's crazy. Right. And they're like, yeah, we're not going to yeah. say one, one people when she says one world and they didn't. And then she goes one world and they all say, it. <laughs> come on. That could yeah. be your moment to be like, no, we're not. If you want to do this, you have to do it yourself. We're we're out. They're great company people. <laughs> great yes men. Yeah, they're great <laughs> yes men. You know, so. But satisfying end, I guess, for Zemo. Uh, whether you're agreeing with it or not. Uh, what about the closure for U.S. Agent, aka John Walker, aka New Captain America? <laughs> uh. <laughs> He's got a blackout uniform now. You know. I it's again it's ripped straight from the pages of the comics. Yeah. And this is one of those instances though where I'm like maybe it shouldn't be. <laughs> you don't think? I kind of liked it weirdly. I feel and like not, and this is the point of view the non-comic reader is like I know this is where the comic should have gone and I know that they're deviating from it and I'm interested like this is the one that I'm like Ooh, I'd be interested to see how he comes back in a movie or in a TV show, like series two, like season two. No, he, he we're um we're not really deviating from where the comics took him either, because I feel like he's he's being set up to. Wasn't to, he a bad guy? He's more of an anti-hero. He does become a bad guy for What's like a difference? couple of arcs. Come on. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know. They, they kind of throw the word anti-hero around to anybody that's not. I'm cookie sorry cutter to challenge guy. you there, but there is no difference between anti-hero and villain. <laughs> I mean, Deadpool's an anti-hero. He's definitely not a villain. Yes, he is. He's a murderer. Okay, maybe he's a villain. All right, I don't. <laughs> I'll fold this one to you, okay? <laughs> like, well, all right. So you didn't. Not that you didn't like it, but you're just neutral, and I'm. I liked it. I, I I'm not you know I'm neutral on the costume. I think the oh in the terms costume of, was badass. I th- I thought I was yeah I, th- I thought the costume could have used less white too. <laughs> There's no white in it. <laughs> there is. Okay, one like two stripes is not a yeah, white. Yeah, take costume. that away. Just invert <laughs> everything blue on the old costume, make it black, and then keep the red. There you go. Fix your costume. I feel like you got to re rewatch it. Maybe I do. I don't know. Maybe this is the Casamigos talking. You gotta, you gotta watch it as many times as Zemo's Red Machiavelli. Oh God, no, I can't. <laughs> I can't do that. Uh, Although, how about the biggest closure of all, though? Let's get to Isaiah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I loved this. I mean, although I think it was perfectly done, where it was like Isaiah wouldn't have wanted like a press conference, even though that kind of felt like where Sam was originally gonna go with it, like get dressed like out front is a bunch of news media outlet to like tell your story. So I liked that they didn't do that. Cause that's not Isaiah's personality, but to get him a small private corner in the back of the captain America exhibit feels like it's not enough. Yeah. I was going to say it felt like 
they literally were like, oh, by the way, there's this secret where we screwed over this guy. And if you go around the back and then make a left and then two rights, you'll see the the, the Isaiah <laughs> monument. Yeah. To me, it kind of screamed like the exhibit that's right next to the bathroom. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. You know, like, I recently went to the um, Museum of Natural History and they had this team. In, the, in the quarantine, you're going out? Yeah, I did. Okay. Um, but but I took my niece. Um, oh, and we, so it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. I got my niece <laughs> with me. <laughs> no, but like there, there's this little um in the T Rex exhibit. There's like the coolest Wait, uh, what? little. There's, what exhibit? The T Rex exhibit. But what what museum is this? Oh, the Museum <laughs> of Natural History. Okay. All right. <laughs> I think you're like MoMA, and then you're like, uh, we went to the T Rex exhibit in the MoMA. In the MoMA. Imagine. <laughs> That'd be a pretty sick exhibit, though. There's there's a really cool little interactive um, dinosaur uh, display. And I think it's one of the coolest parts of the exhibit, but it's right next to the bathroom in an unlit area where nobody's going to see it. And this kind of reminded me of <laughs> that. I'm like, exactly what it felt like. Yeah. The, the shots on this, like the camera shots, were kind of terrible, where it was like they all walked 10 different placards of captain america steve rogers and then they went around a few more and then into a poorly lit corner and then this is where his statue is and hey great i love that like they're immortalizing him and that future generations will know him and be able to study him i 100 percent agree with that i just feel like it camera wise it looked like it was in the background it did and i don't know if that was deliberate or not because obviously isaiah also made it clear that he didn't want to be outed like he didn't want anybody to know about him so maybe that, that was, was coming that. from the perspective of his experience where he's like no they'll never accept me and yeah. sam is showing up they can and they will and it's weird that it's not like more prominent in that museum i had a brief call with a buddy of mine this morning we always talk about the episodes after they air, and he was like, I, "I was talking to him about the scene. I was like, did, I was like, did you get emotional when Isaiah got emotional?" He's like, "No, nah, he got emotional because he's literally like, you only gave me a small corner <laughs> in the middle of I this grand for a second, exhibit. He'd be like, "This is not enough." But then he embraced <laughs> him in a hug, and I was like, "Okay, they're they're going this route. I get it. They better be paying him some royalties for that, though, because like, come on." I wonder if he's getting anything. Yeah, who, who knows if the MCU government is anywhere close to our government? That's that's the mm, yeah, it's not happening. Yeah. I would like to see his grandkid come back. Yeah, Eli. There, I th- I think um that's his grandchild, right? Yeah, yeah. They're definitely gonna do something with him. Um, and you know, not to kind of hop off topic here, but I don't know if you saw this recently, but they the Hollywood Reporter announced that they cast uh, uh the character that would become. Um, Iron Lad from the Young Avengers. Who knows where they're gonna fit him into whatever am, Marvel I project they're doing, but <laughs> they're definitely not gonna call him Iron Lad. <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, so I guess we are gonna go the Young Avengers route. Who knows where, how? Is that gonna be a cool movie or show though? Um, are you gonna buy into that? I feel like I will when I see the trailer, but right now I'm just like, nah, I'm out on that. There's two really cool. Uh, storylines involving the Young Avengers. Well, tell uh, me. Tell me about them. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go grab a couple more drinks first. Um, 
No, so uh, do you watch uh, Lovecraft uh, c- Country? One of the actors on that show has been cast as uh, Kang the Car- the Conqueror for I- for Ant-Man 3. So he- just kind of a brief little backstory. Kang the Conqueror is the Iron Lad character in the comic books, but from the future. It's okay. a really, there's this a complicated storyline to it, but basically Kang the Conqueror is one of the biggest uh, Marvel villains of of the Avengers and he's connected to the young Avengers in the sense that the young Avengers are formed in order to stop this like apocalyptic event. That's eventually going to like destroy everything in the world um, and form this like future where the character Kang the Conqueror comes from. So th- there are some really cool storylines when they tie him into Kang. Um, and then there's, a, there's another storyline where uh, I think this is post civil war in the comics um, where they get wrapped up with with uh, Wanda and the Scarlet Witch. So there's stuff they can do with it that 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 is actually really good. But it all depends on where they're going to pull from. And I think that they're going for the the more classic take on the Young Avengers because these are the roster of characters we've been seeing. Um, and I hope they keep it that way because there's some rosters of the Young Avengers that I could care less about. <laughs> <laughs> and I think general audiences will not like. Or well, we we've seen them. a lot of setup, right? We've seen like young hawkeye we've seen uh, i guess if you're going to take the kid from iron man 3 well we haven't seen young hawkeye yet she's she'll make her debut on the hawkeye game we did right no no that's hawkeye's daughter isn't she young hawkeye no well she should be (laughs) she should right (laughs) she had a a bullseye from 10 feet away no she's um you're thinking of kate bishop who's the second hawkeye that takes over that mantle no, um, I'm thinking of Jeremy Hawkeye's Banner's daughter. daughter. <laughs> His actual daughter. Don't tell me what I'm thinking. <laughs> you can't think what I'm thinking. Um, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, no, I. The setup is there. I, if I'm, if I were to bet on something though, like I said, because they're so tied to Kang the Conqueror, uh, I think that I, uh, Iron Man, Ant Man Three is where we're going to see uh, them either their formation or at least the beginning of of their team so i i it it's got to be tied to them is ant-man's daughter one of them yeah uh what's her name she yeah i I forget her superhero name it's something really dumb ant girl Mm, it's not ant girl (laughs) ant queen stature that's her name stature yikes yeah okay that is worse that's when you run out of names (laughs) let's uh let's we've tangent here let's recircle back to closures of this episode uh wilson family and community have a get together on the dock i thought we would get to see the boat functioning but we don't uh but it's it's cool to see the community show like tremendous support for sam and taking their pictures with them and everyone's having a good time and bucky brings a cake (laughs) yeah this was the cookout man this, this I was is, hungry after watching this. This is the ultimate cookout, and you know, having you know, ha- have having grown up in um in a very mixed neighborhood, you know a cookout when you see a cookout. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you bring your plate and you get to sit down and just enjoy some good quality food. And the fact that Bucky wasn't was invited to the cookout, my God, I he's loved, made it. Yeah, I loved this scene. Just like. Getting to see the community is so warming, but also just like seeing Bucky and Sam finally evolve their friendship 
from something something so cold and distant at the beginning of this episode where Bucky wasn't even returning his texts. He was remaining isolated to not being able to have those therapy sessions, like that one therapy session, to just executing a mission to giving each other tough love and now running through their final mission together. It's cool to see their character arc. I think that's the thing I appreciated most from this, which is great because their names are on the marquee. It was a great way to kind of cap off the show, too, because I feel like it kind of... Cap. Cap. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, similar to WandaVision, I guess, this is where, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier, while I cared for them as characters at the at a basic level, I didn't really have too much... Um, uh, you know, too too much of them that I that I would say like, oh, I love. Um, but I definitely did gain a much uh, closer appreciation to these characters after this show. Um, and this this scene I thought was a really wholesome way to kind of end it too. I thought for sure we would see some Bucky flirting with Sarah though. Well, he was playing with Sam's nephews, so in that's a very flirting s- with her though. No, I know, but that's a very stepdad that how you move. Flirt? <laughs> That no, but that's how you show that's how you show the woman you're like, oh, I can I can also be a father. You know? See how strong I am. I'm lifting yeah. your family up. There you go. <laughs> okay. Uh, final conclusion and closure of this uh, series and this episode. Sharon receives her full pardon. So uh, Sam Wilson's finally lived up to his promise. Which, great. Uh, and then immediately after she gets her pardon and basically reinstatement of whatever the equivalent of her former post was in shield. She immediately starts making calls to, to her old team being like, Hey, well, I'm going to abuse the power. We have access to like satellites and nukes and stuff like that. Yeah. What a sleazy move. <laughs> it was on the steps of Capitol Hill <laughs> and stepping on the legacy of Peggy Carter. Yeah. It's, it's a little rough. God damn it. Sharon. You had one job. Stay good. Stay good. It's in your name. <laughs> yeah. I think the issue that I had with her being power broker, and I, I don't know if I vocalized this right in past episodes here, but it was that Sam or Bucky had to be the ones who bring her down. And I thought they had a great out with her being the power broker when Batroc shot her. I thought she would die from those wounds and Sam wouldn't have to take her out or put her in the raft prison or wherever. But this clearly means that they have to be the ones who intervene in a future season or in a future movie. They definitely will have to be the ones to, to ring her back in. And maybe that's going to be the plot for um, Captain America four or season two of Captain America and the winter soldier. Yeah. It just feels like it won't be a big enough of a bad to focus on for a season or for a movie no she's gonna be like a b or c list villain i don't but think that's they're gonna why like that's her. why it should have just been handled now and like the power broker was handled without even knowing it and i think that's the biggest issue i had with this episode is that sam ultimately made no decisions as captain america his decision was not to kill anyone which is great it's the same aligned with steve rogers but Carly was going to fight him regardless and he just kept absorbing the hits and Sharon made the decision for him like let me kill Carly for you like there there was no 
I don't know what the right word is like evolution of Sam where he has to decide like he has to learn a tough lesson where there's some people you can't save or he saves Carly because he knows like he ha- he brings that experience of like dealing with veterans into it. I think the opportunities to do that were gone at that stage. Um, right. So then like he tried that two episodes ago to like level with her and bring her to reality. And then that's when he should learn, like, there's some people you can't save and I have to fight her. I can't just be like, I'm not going to fight you. I think the thing about it, though, is the, is that you know, we come back to the same ideal that you uh, referenced earlier in, the, in this episode, that um, that over, overtly sense of optimism in seeing the good in everybody. Like, what was that thing about um, Captain America said we don't trade lives when well, you only have one over the sense. other? Like. Vision immediately counterpointed it with like, oh, you traded your life for everybody else in New York. Like, we do trade lives. That's what we do. We're heroes. But that was a personal sacrifice. It wasn't one word. So Vision like, can't... Okay. Well, <laughs> this is another combo. <laughs> no, I know. We're getting into the deep end here a little bit. But no, what what I mean is like, I feel like that's the whole point of Sam is like hoping the best in people. And while, you know, not, not to get, I guess, to... Uh, uh, maybe like a, a separate tangent here, but like that's been, or at least the way that I see it, that's that's the way the world kind of operates. You have idealists, you have realists. You can't run the world with either, without either. Um, and what I mean by that is like we've had wars, right, in real life where we take action and things get done because you have to make tough decisions. But then you're also inspired to actually make change as a result of people that idealize certain traits. You know, take like. MLK take um, you know a handful of other martyrs that we have in in, in real world history. That's kind of how it goes, and so I think that Sam's kind of like the embodiment of that kind of ideal of like no matter what happens, you stick to your guns, even if it will probably kill you. Yeah, they mentioned that in this episode. Isaiah brings it up like you're no MLK or Malcolm or Man- Mandela, like, uh, and Falcon says like, yeah, I know, but doesn't mean I don't have to try. So right. I do love that that's what he's bringing to the table. And he does bring a different type of optimism than Steve had in, in his reign as Captain America. The other thing I'll say, though, is like every time he's spoken to Carly, he always got through to her. And it's always somebody else that messes it up. Well, there's so a, I, yeah. I feel like maybe that's where we he could have gone with this. But like Sharon decided to kill her before we can kind of get to that point you, you who knows you know right yeah and then i do like the converse we skipped over it but i do like the conversation between carly and bucky and it, it took up probably i don't know what three three to five minutes of the of this episode during the initial beginning phases of carly's plans where bucky was like i know what it's like to fight for something you believe in and i've i've done that several times in my life and i've lost and i get it but continuing down this path is only going to give you nightmares in the future of people you've killed because of what you thought was right or what you are trained to believe is right and i thought it was a different perspective where bucky's now able to become a little bit of that therapist role where he was he needed it more than he was able to deal it out yeah yeah, he, he kind of came full circle there. Which just makes us like the like this episode a lot more and this series a lot more for 
Bucky and Sam, whether the people around him, we love their uh, arcs or not. I think uh, ultimately the series did what it was supposed to do. It was supposed to make us like these two characters more, and it did. And it's supposed to sell us more merchandise. So where is that Captain America Sam Wilson helmet? I'll definitely buy those goggles. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so we're running a little long on the pod episode. Let's do. Let's quickly wrap up with uh, final series thoughts. Uh, where do you think it goes next? What would you want to see Captain America for? I feel like yeah, the hype is there for it, especially now. And and I to be totally honest with you and totally transparent here, I feel like you'd be doing a disservice to this iteration of Captain America if you yeah, don't give that's them exactly what I would say the movie. Um, that being said, though, I would like, I would like some sort of continuation of this in the series. Also, again, maybe a little bit selfish of me, but I feel like that I've really grown to really like these shows because it gives them the room to add a level of character growth that you don't always have time for in movies. So, in terms of like what I hope is next, I hope a movie is next, um, and I do hope that we get to see Sam as Captain America interact with other characters, particularly Spider-Man. Please, um, <laughs> I hope that's down the line. You know that that that's those are kind of my thoughts. Yeah, I think what this series did was give credibility to Sam as a leader and to him as Captain America. So I don't even know if he needs a Captain America four. I would love to see one. Because I, I thought the exact same word that you said, a discredit, if you don't continue to use his character. But I could see him being like a Captain America Civil War type of movie where it's, yeah, it's got his name on the marquee, but it wasn't really a Captain America movie. It was Iron Man. It was everybody. So I could see him being introduced into somebody else's movie where he just is like the leader of the Avengers. And now I can accept that. Whereas if we didn't get this series... And he showed up day one as the guy wielding Captain's uh, Steve Rogers shield. I wouldn't have bought into it and I wouldn't have been okay with it. But this has given me that credibility to it where I can be, okay, that's cool. I'm with it. I want to see him lead this team. I want to see him fight alongside some of the bigger threats. Yeah, he has some great action. And it's awesome that he is a non-serum soldier because it seems like it's... On the more rare side. Did you notice he can launch the shield out of his jetpack? I saw that, yeah. He had a lot of cool moves with that thing. And then he like did a full cover-up when he had, he rescued that one pilot from the helicopter crashing down on him. I can't wait to see the Happy Meal toys with all the kids launching their little <laughs> Captain America discs off of Falcon's back. Like That's coming next. I will definitely buy a few Happy Meals for that. Yeah, me too. Well, I'll be one of those guys that's like, what's the toy you guys are handing out today? (laughs) All right, I'll take two. (laughs) Uh, But I think that about wraps it up, unless you have any last thoughts. No, I I think that that's about it. I I really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to to Loki. Oh, but before that, of course, we're definitely going to stay tuned to Marvel's Assembled, the making of Falcon and Soldier. Yep. Yes, I forgot about those. I'm so excited. They come with every single Marvel meal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's going to be exciting because I this is one of those shows that I definitely want to see behind the scenes because I feel like Sebastian, Stan, and um, Anthony Mackie really have great chemistry on and off camera. 
I love it. I love that and their <laughs> their pretend feud with Tom Holland. Yes. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I love seeing them off like when you get those behind the scene thing uh edits. So I'm really excited to see that and we'll definitely review that as well. Did you see the uh little set photo leaks from Spider Man No Way Home that sh- in the background shows a poster of Sam as Captain America? No. Yeah. The, apparently there's like in universe merch for him at the whenever Spider Man No Way Home takes place. Okay. So that's pretty neat. <laughs> I'm into that. All right. Well, if uh, if you're listening out there and you have your own thoughts on the finale here or predictions on where this goes next, feel free to reach out to us on behind the fourth or BT fourth wall for being four th. That's on Twitter. Uh, otherwise, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, comrades. <laughs>